Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Beware the Board, a horror podcast where we watch a randomly selected horror movie every single week. I'm Bob. I'm Ben. Hey, Ben. What's up? Nothing much. Okay, that's great. Uh, let's yeah. get into the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You're a fucking menace. Oh, my God. Anything new with you you want to talk about before we get started with the podcast part of the podcast? Uh, I'm dying inside just a little bit. This week was rough. Really? Yeah. Damn, that sucks, bro. Not like emotionally, I guess, is usually how you frame that, but more so because my sleep schedule was completely scuffed. Yeah. I had to write a five-page paper that I got like Monday that was due like Thursday. What the fuck? (laughs) Which, admittedly, I'm pretty good at writing papers, but... With how messed up my sleep schedule is because of classes and school, yeah. I basically had to go, all right, I have maybe four hours to sleep a day spread out in two-hour blocks. God I'm going to sacrifice one of those to write a paper three days in a row or something like that. And, um, yeah. You know when you're at work and you can feel your heart and it's like, oh, I'm dying slow. Oh, yeah. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. No. God. That's how sucks. I was feeling. This week. It was it was not great. See, I, I was sleepy one day, so I didn't go into work. Uh, aside from that, though, uh, I watched another movie for film class. Oh, yeah. What was it? Uh, it was The Innocence. I've heard of this. The original one. I think it's from 19, what, 70-something? 1960s. It's kind of a horror movie. It's pretty famous. It's an adaptation of, I believe it's The Turn of the Screw. It's kind that of like a psychological really haunting thing okay kind of like the haunting mm, good movie very similar okay vibes, actually dope a little light on news this week nothing cool coming out well there's cool stuff coming out but it's like stuff that stuff that i'm just not that interested in talking about on the podcast so i didn't write it down that's fair uh have you figured out what categories you're doing next season because we're almost there oh i'm i'm really hard stuck between two but i might just make one of them my random and make one of them my main category but I don't know which one I want for which, if that makes sense. Because oh. they're both fun. I mean, that's fair, I guess. Because we've talked about it off the podcast. There's one that I could pitch that we both discussed for my random. But I don't know. I think we might just do something else. With okay. That. So I don't know yet. I don't know, but I have ideas, and I'm fairly excited. Because this is I think it'll be the first time we've ever done a category like one of the ones I'm going to pitch. Okay, well, hopefully that's a good thing. No, it is a good thing, because it's something we should do more of. And I don't know why we haven't done it yet, but I, I think the reason we have done it is because we haven't seen enough films. So this is just, like, something that I'm able to do now, because we've gotten far enough along in the podcast that it makes sense. Okay. Anyway, new stuff. This is something we've talked about before on the podcast. We both really like stop motion as a medium for making film or just making any sort of art in general. It's great. It's so impressive. It's cool. It's impressive. It's like really, really like awesome. Uh, there's a new horror movie called Stop Motion to be released on February 23rd and then released on Shudder on May 31st with Robert Morgan to direct. Do you know who that is? Not off the top of my head. Okay. He's not super famous. He's only done a couple of short film things from what I can tell, like credit-wise when I was looking around. His big thing is... A stop-motion horror film called The Separation, which, have you seen that? Maybe? I, don't I think so. have. I watched it way before we did this podcast when I was, like, a freshman in college. We were at, I think we were in my dorm. We were somewhere with a bunch of people, 
My friend Sam showed it to me. It is one of the most unsettling, horrifying things I've ever seen in my life. And I'm not shitting you. It's 10 minutes. It's a stop motion short film. It's really fucking good. If you have not seen it and you like stop motion and you like horror, go watch it. The other thing he did is called uh, Cat with Hands, which is very self-explanatory. It's a cat with hands, and it's also really scary. Technically, most cats have hands. Uh, the human hands. Cat with human hands. Okay. Yeah. I figured that's what you were referring to. But. Yeah. So this guy is extremely talented. Like, I applaud his work. What's really cool about this movie is it's not just straight stop motion. It is a mix of human actors with stop motion, and the stop motion is the scary part of the movie, basically. Oh, so it's like classic cinema. Yes, and I'm so excited. From the trailers I saw, this is going to be really fucking cool. Hopefully. Yes. Hopefully. Yeah, from what I was looking at, it looks really cool. I'm really excited. I'm excited to have something like this come out from someone who I know is really good at the thing. And I just, I'm I'm very, very hyped for this one. And I will probably watch it. Well, I'll probably save it because we might watch it for the yeah, podcast. We'll do which sucks because I really want to watch it. I'm excited about it. The only other thing I have this week is, uh, you know the movie The Lost Boys? Yep. Uh, it's getting a musical inspired by the film called The Lost Boys, A New Musical. Wow. That's like the only thing I could, like, that's literally like the only details that I could find on it, but it's happening, oh. which is kind of cool. You couldn't find anything where the details lost? Uh, <laughs> no, there just wasn't a lot released. It's just like they announced they're doing it. Oh, boy, that sucks. Yeah, but I was like, <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, Ben. I know people like that movie, and I'm a fan of musicals, so it's pretty cool. All right. I that's all I got. So okay. we're gonna move on to the podcast part of the podcast. Okay, if you wanna choose a category. Look uh, we we knocked out them bitches that are witches. True. We watched a very very good movie last week. We finished witches. I like uh The Witch. That's a good movie. It's a good movie. You know what's crazy? What? Jesse also loves that movie. One of my friends. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> and you know who doesn't like that? Like I he said, It's fine. I went, It's fine. That was great. Cotton. Cotton was like, it was fine. I was like, you fucking piece of shit. I mean, well, Cotton does have the facial hair to appreciate that movie. <laughs> Not so much anymore, but yeah, he did. Liking a movie like The Witch isn't necessarily guaranteed. Because it's very good, but it's also very slow. No, but like, it kind of blew me away that he doesn't like it. Like, it felt like a movie for me like that he was going to enjoy. And I was like, damn, that's crazy. Anyway, Witches is done. So that leaves us with two Universal Monster films in a movie in... Catholic films. Every movie in Catholic films has been really good. Same with Universal Monster movies. But there's two of them. So I might as well even it out. I'm going to watch Universal Monster film. We talked about this a while ago. I don't know what you put in here. And there are so many Universal Monster films that are iconic. That I'm kind of scared of what we're going to get. Not scared, but like, there are two spots. And there's still, what, Wolfman, Creature, Dracula, The Mummy. So there's four right there. So there's double the amount. That's for classic and... You can go later than the classic period. Exactly. So I'm sort of like, I'm excited because I don't know what movie you threw in here. What spots do I have? I don't remember. Uh, You have two and three, it looks like. Three. Three? Yeah. All right. Oh, God. Uh, Today we are going to be watching Dracula. Oh, fuck yeah. Exciting. I've I've never seen this one. Well, there's different versions of Dracula. Yeah. We're going to be watching the one from 1931. I assume that's the original. Yes. So okay. not the one with Christopher Lee. No. I'm sorry. Who we talked about last week, I think. He's rad. He is really cool. 
He's like my favorite Dracula, but that's just because I enjoy him. No, he's great. He's like the best part of episode two of Star Wars. Yeah. Like, Count Dooku is awesome. Yeah, it sucks. That movie that sucks. Only in so little of it, yeah. too. But it also creates that weird fan idea that he is a space vampire. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's the Count in two different movies. That's hilarious. Anyways, uh, description. Blah, blah, blah. I want to suck your blood. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, go figure. Uh, yeah. It's an hour and 15 minutes long. It's got a past rating. Uh, review scores, IMDb gave it a 7.4 out of 10. Tomato meters in 94%. And the audience score of 92%. God damn. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, it's got five wins and three nominations. Notable actors are Bela Lugosi as Count Dracula. Uh, he played Dr. Vitus Wordagast in The Black Cat. Oh. Helen Chandler as Mina Seward. I think that's how you pronounce that. She played Elizabeth Clochesi in Goodbye Again. David Manners as John Harker. Uh, he played Frank Wemple in The Mummy. Dwight Fry as Renfield. You might know that name from the, I was about the say, recent Renfield movie. I was about to say, I do recognize... No, I was talking about the actor's name. I know oh. who Renfield is. You know David Fry? He played Fritz in Frankenstein. That's why I know the name. I was like, I know that name. Yeah, there's, again, people double up. Mm-hmm. Edward Van Sloan as Van Helsing. Uh, he played Dr. Waldman in Frankenstein. Yep. <laughs> I just saw him. Herbert Bunsen as Dr. Seward. Uh, he played Sir John Verinder in The Moonstone. Francis Dale as Lucy Weston. Uh, she played Ethel Crowley in Raffles. John Standing as Nurse Briggs. Very specifically, in an error in the opening credits, she is misidentified as the maid. Hmm. But she also played Selena in Greed. And then Charles Gerard as Martin. Uh, he played Private Mason in Journey's End. Uh, director is Todd Browning. Uh, he also directed this little movie, uh, Freaks. I was about to say, God damn, we're getting a lot of the same people. That's cool. I mean, yeah, it was a much smaller place, Hollywood. No, yeah. But these are all people that are in good movies, so my hopes are high. Yeah. Writer's Hamilton Dean. Uh, he didn't really write anything else. Um, but he has a credit for From a Play Adapted By. And then the other writer's John L. Balderston. Uh, he wrote The Mummy. Ah. Uh, and he has a credit for From a Play Adapted By as well. So I guess they both di adapted the play into the movie. Hmm. That's cool. Uh, budget is estimated at $355,000. Box office is unknown, with the country of origin being United States. Tagline, the story of the strangest passion the world has ever known. Hmm. Okay. All right. As for facts, we got a couple. Maybe more than two this time. Maybe. Uh, so this movie is the first film adaptation of Dracula to feature sound. Oh, wow. Which that is, is cool. pretty cool. It's also, I'm not sure if it's the first, but it's definitely one of the earliest official Dracula adaptations. Because Nosferatu is an unofficial adaptation. <laughs> it doesn't count. <laughs> this film was famously shot at the Universal Studios lot in California during the day. Oh, And what's so interesting about that is at night, the Spanish language version of Dracula 
was shot on the same lot. Oh, they shot them at the same time? Yes. So it's basically the same movie, just one is shot in Spanish and one is shot in English. Whoa, that's cool. It's very famous. But there's slight differences. Hmm. If we ever get around to it, we can watch it because the, the Spanish language version of Dracula is very, very good. In 2000, the film was selected for the United States Library of Congress for preservation in the National Film Registry. Pretty simple stuff. Surprising that it took, you know, 70 that, years. I was about to say that fucking long, yeah. Both Conrad Veidt and Lon Chaney were originally considered for the role of Dracula, uh, among others, before Lugosi won the role. Uh, do you know Conrad Veidt? No. We've uh, talked about Lon Chaney, though. He played Gwynplaine, and then uh, Lon Chaney's played Quasimodo, both for Universal. Due to the cost reasons, no original music was scored for this film upon release. Whoa. So it did have sound, but it didn't have music. That's cool. Uh, however, in 1998, composer Philip Glass was commissioned to compose the score for the film, and that's now attached to most versions. Huh. There was some music in the film, but it just wasn't scored music it was like let's go get some classic music we can put over the credits or something like that that's so interesting now there's an actual soundtrack well because like having someone score your film is expensive yeah i mean i know but was that just not a common thing to have done back in the day back when they were making films in 1931 well i mean you have to remember sound was just starting Mm. so as an audience people didn't go oh there has to be music playing in the background of scenes like people didn't expect that Especially because there was natural sound, and that was a a new thing, right? Yeah. Okay. I could see it. It's just really interesting to me that they just went universal of all people. Went, oh, we don't have the money. We're just not going to do it. Yeah. I mean, they had music. It just wasn't Mm -hmm. a score. Aside from that, the film was originally released with a running time of 85 minutes. When it was reissued in 1936, uh, the production code was enforced. And so for the reissue, two scenes are known to have been censored. Goddamn. The most significant deletion was an epilogue, which played only during the film's initial run, in a scene similar to the prologue from Frankenstein. So you remember that, where the director came on screen and was like, hey, guys, this is really scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, There was a scene like that in this film, and it also featured Universal's Edward Van Sloan, uh, and he reappeared and did the curtain speech and informed the audience. I'm quoting here. Just a moment, ladies and gentlemen. A word before you go. We hope the memories of Dracula and Renfield won't give you bad dreams. So just a word of reassurance. When you get home tonight and the lights have been turned out and you are afraid to look behind the curtains and you dread to see a face appear at the window, why just pull yourself together and remember that after all, there are such things as vampires. Nice. That being said, the epilogue was removed out of fear of encouraging a belief in the supernatural. Code laws are great, obviously. Well, it hasn't been like fully restored or added back. Mm-hmm. It was briefly shown in the documentary Road to Dracula, but it's believed that it's probably unusable and cannot be restored fully to the film. Damn, that blows. Yeah, but it's, it's not too bad. It's just like a quick end thing. Yeah. Like it's a gimmick. cool, I guess. Yeah. The other thing that was removed was audio of Dracula's off-camera death groans oh. near the end of the film. They were shortened by partial muting. Uh, as were Renfield's screams later on in the film. Hmm. These soundtrack stuff were later restored, though, uh, by MCA Universal for its Laserdisc and subsequent DVD release, apparently with the exception of the 2004 multifilm Legacy Collection Edition. Huh. So those were restored. Hmm. That's cool. Because it's just sound stuff. Thank God. It's also kind of interesting to note that there's apparently a silent version of this film 
that was released in some theaters. Because in 1931, not all theaters had sound. So what they would do is apparently, like, send them a copy that doesn't have sound. Mm -hmm. But they'd insert, assumedly, uh, title cards so you know what's happening. That's cool. Uh, And then, obviously, we haven't mentioned this, but this is adapted from a book, you know, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Mm -hmm. Except it's not. It's a similar thing with Frankenstein. Uh, This movie is adapted from the 1924 stage play of the same name. Wow. Which, in turn, is adapted from the 1897 novel, Dracula, by Bram Stoker. God damn. Keep that in mind. They didn't do book-direct adaptations. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did play-direct adaptations. But then again, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Because you've basically done most of the work. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, you can literally basically take any play scene for scene and turn it into a film. If with, it's a good play. If it's a good play, with some effort. Yeah. All right, well, that's all I got. So Okay. Before know. we move on, there's one thing I want to talk about. Boo. This, I just wanted to bring this up because, you know, I've never seen any of these films, of course, coming into the podcast. You've seen the plays. That's what I was about to say. This is probably the Universal Monster film I'm the most familiar with because of where we live. I've seen this play so many times. If you're wondering, they would take us in public school yeah. to go see the play mm-hmm. like once a year. Yeah, for always around October because they show it every year in October. At First the local all, theater. Yeah, very good show. They The way they designed their sets for that play is part of the reason I wanted to do theater when I was a kid and why I did do theater for a while. So I'm just... Coming in with different expectations than I did with Frankenstein. I've never read the book, unlike Frankenstein. But I've seen the play a ton. They are not identical. But you can definitely tell they're related. Okay. And also, you have to remember, it's the 1924 play. I'm not sure what version of the play we use in modern times. I have no friggin' idea. Like, if it's a modern adaptation or if it's the same one. Yeah. Never read Dracula. So, that's one of those ones I should get around to. Plus, there's extra scenes and stuff. Yeah. Because, you know, you can get away with some stuff on camera. Mm-hmm. Like, there's references to the Demeter. Okay. All right, now we can go. All right, we'll be back in a sec. Yeah, we'll see you guys in a minute. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. We just finished watching Dracula. Yeah. I mean, it's it's Dracula. Yeah. It, you, is, it is Dracula. Did you like it? Yes. Better than Frankenstein? Yeah, I mentioned that during the movie. I like this movie more than Frankenstein. We kind of decided it's because Dracula is just an actual character. See, and you not d- like you Frankenstein's monster. So I, he's just maniacal in a very Sunday morning cartoon villainy sort of way. Yeah, but also I think the story of Dracula just like hits harder for me for some reason. Like there's just something I enjoy more about the tale. Fair enough. Frankenstein's like. And maybe it's because I read the book and I was doing comparisons the whole time. And the movie is very different from the book. This is... I've never read the book for this. I've only seen the stage play. And this is very similar to the stage play because it was adapted from it. Fair enough. All right. Well, uh, I guess we'll get into it then. Very simple summary here. It's Dracula. You should know it by now. But basically, uh, Count Dracula, He's lives in Transylvania. And he sails over from Transylvania into England, and he's renting out the, it's like an abandoned abbey, which is about as close as he's going to get to a castle in England for rent. And the abbey borders a asylum, an insane asylum. You know, Dracula, during his time in England, has been preying on women. Yeah, as he does. their blood. That's just, that's just the Dracula thing. And he's very specifically 
kind of fixated on the daughter of the asylum's owner. Her name's Mina. And kind of the plot of the movie is figuring out all of that with the help of Van Helsing, who is a distinguished scientist in this universe. Yeah. That being said, uh, we're going to get into the movie. Spoilers, obviously. I know this is Dracula. It's very famous, and it's pretty similar to the Dracula's plays if you've seen those two. So, you know, spoilers, but if you know about it, you know about it. That being said, if you don't know anything about Dracula, we go, really go should, figure something out about Dracula. Yeah, you should watch it. It's it's good. <laughs> uh, with that being said, I think probably the best place to start is maybe some of the comparisons between the movie and the play. Or we can start there if you want, because I think you know a lot about that. Do you want to? I've of, seen it so many times. Ben. Do you kind of want to outline what you noticed? Yeah. So the big thing that I think I prefer in this which is weird for me to say because i i started out not liking it in the stage play that i've seen a gabillion times van helsing is not a scientist he's like your classic van helsing like paranormal investigator monster hunter man and he's usually kind of a maniac he's usually kind of a maniac but he's also young and in this he's an old distinguished scientist which makes all of the stuff that he randomly knows about Dracula being a vampire and, like, how to counteract it makes sense without forcing it, which I really like because a lot of this movie, while it is, like, mystical in the sense that there are vampires and, like, all this other stuff, it's very grounded. It's very chill. There's nothing, like, too crazy going on. Yeah. So the fact that he just... They explained that away without making it ridiculous is super nice. It also makes him a really good foil for how... Bella Lugosi plays Dracula. Yeah. They're both very kind of slow-speaking, distinguished characters. And so mm-hmm. to have them be antagonistic but weirdly appreciative of each other... Oh, for sure. ...works very well. There's a really amazing scene in this fu- film where, you know, Dracula has, like, mind control powers, as vampires tend to. And he tries to use it on Van Helsing, and he's like, ah, your will is too strong. And, I mean, there's other examples where... Dracula, like, straight-up compliments Van Helsing. Yeah. It's a very good dynamic, and I like it. It is. And I think it only works because of that switch-up from maniac, vengeance-filled hunter to yeah. distinguished scientist who's looking at it from almost a intellectual perspective. Mm-hmm. Another change. Seward in the stage play is not the owner of the asylum. He's a doctor brought to the asylum to, like, help is like an onboarding person. In this, he owns it. He's also Mina's dad in this, which I like. It's a good simplification. Having him be like a scientist from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. An outside like A doctor person. from somewhere else. Adds some complication that just having him own the asylum can get rid of. Yeah. It gives the character a lot more freedom. Mm-hmm. And then, again, making him Mina's dad, that means you get the lower the amount of, like, important characters or ideas in the film. Yeah, but also, like, it strengthens their relationship. Like, he has motivation, you know? To care. To care that is very easily explained, and you don't have to, like... There's no, like, reason to explain it or make it convoluted or complicated. It just... It's very simple and nice. Yeah. (laughs) Renfield, who we have not talked about yet, in the show is a patient at the asylum... Or in the show, in, you know the stage adaptation, is a patient in the asylum. And that's the only way we're introduced to Renfield throughout the entirety of the show. He kind of doesn't matter. He's he, just 
there. Uh, he's cool. He does cool stuff. He is, but again, kind of just But he there. serves the exact same purpose he does in this film. Yeah. But in this film, they add a scene at the beginning, and I think you said it's in the book. I said I'm not sure. Well, I haven't read the book. I know it's not in the stage a decade. adaptation, so I hopefully it's in the book. It could be implied. But there's a whole, basically, I would, I kind of would call it a cold open. It's like that's a prologue. A prologue that's like, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes that shows Renfield, like, going to the castle in Transylvania and meeting Dracula and basically becoming, like, one of his thralls. And Renfield in the stage show, it just happens to be at the asylum and be one of Dracula's thralls. In this, there's like plot, and it adds depth and layer to the character that you don't get in the stage adaptation, and I really like it. Yeah, that that whole opening, besides being really cool because it gets to show us how Dracula's treated in his home turf. Yeah, which is really interesting. It's you get very to see very different how afraid everyone is of him versus oh, terrified England, where everyone's like ah oh, vampire, whatever. Yeah. Uh, more important than that, it makes Renfield very sympathetic. Yeah, he's and I super likable. That other media doesn't, and we'll get into that. But Renfield is straight up probably my favorite character in the movie. No, he's, he's fantastic. He's fantastic. But the real thing I want to emphasize with this cold opening is it just adds a lot of context. I mean, we get to see the famous like Demeter scene, mm-hmm. uh, which is horrifying. Super cool. I've, I've told you about it before, but you've. Saw it for the first time. Yeah. It's horrifying, right? The implications. Mm-hmm. Captain tied to the ship handle. Like, that, that is, is because crazy. of the storm. Yeah. So you don't let go of the wheel. But yeah, it's a, it's a horrifying sequence. For anyone who doesn't know, there is a brief scene. It doesn't last very long. No, and, it's probably 30 seconds. And again, my understanding from the book, I've basically completely forgotten the book at this point because it's been more than a decade. But my understanding is that it's a brief I think it's like a diary entry or something from the boat that just yeah. describes it. Uh, but basically, we see Redfield in the cargo hold with these three "quote unquote" coffins that uh, Dracula and two of his vampiric wives are in, mm-hmm. and he lets Dracula out. And there's a big storm going on, so all the crews on deck, and then assumedly Dracula kills everyone because the boat miraculously ends up in port. There's no one on board. Except for the captain who's, like, tied to the the mast. Yeah. Or the the wheel. And then, you know, Dracula's back in his coffin. No one finds him. So Renfield's in the cargo hold, like, laughing maniacally. It's a good scene. Good scene. And it goes on to inspire uh, The Voyage of the Demeter. Which we haven't watched yet. Which we haven't watched. I'm excited to see, though. It's a cool concept, right? Mm-hmm. Very good concept. Is there any other differences? Or do you want to talk about Renfield for a second? We can talk about Renfield for a minute. Okay. Yeah, I think Renfield's probably my favorite character on this. I like all the characters. I do too. But Renfield, I think, is the most interesting. Mm -hmm. Because we get to see him originally as a guy. He's like the lawyer. or the He's like a realtor, I think. Realtor uh, for the Abbey. And he's basically been requested to come to Transylvania to give uh, Dracula a lease. And it's so interesting to see his transition from kind of respectable, mm-hmm. like, normal guy into a crazy person. Yeah. And what I like so much about it is, for me, it makes Renfield really sympathetic. Not only because we got to watch him, like, essentially have this fall from grace, but more importantly, because throughout the movie, Renfield is very much trying to 
help mm-hmm. the human characters. Yeah. Like, it very distinctly feels like he's trying to, like, not give in to his vampire urges. No, he doesn't want to. Like, he has an obsession with eating small animals. Mm-hmm. You know, flies, spiders, Ugh. rats. Rats. He never gets to them, but it, you can tell he kind of wants it. But it seems like it's him subconsciously trying to avoid killing people. Mm-hmm. And th- there's just a bunch of stuff like that where he's trying to subvert his master. No, it's all really good. And he only, like, directly listens to Dracula when he's around and is threatening him. So it's this whole thing of, like, he's... What's the word I'm looking for? He is evil because he does some messed up stuff, but it's not of his own volition. Yeah, you can tell he's fighting essentially mind control. So I feel bad for him. And also he's a fucking maniac. Yeah, and and I think that's the more important part. Besides the fact that I think he's pretty sympathetic in a very interesting way i think the real reason i think he's my favorite character is his performance is just super over the top it's really cool this is a very calm film overall Mm -hmm. we talked about how the film doesn't have any sound yeah that version oh and so all the scenes are very quiet and somber especially with dracula when he's stalking around i love it it's basically completely silent and so we have a lot of performances that are tinged by that, that are very calm and collected. Mm-hmm. And then here comes Renfield screaming and cackling, <laughs> and he just really steals the stage. I, no, I think it's he's, great. It's really, really good. Him and Martin. Like, I love Martin so much. And then I think that's a good transition into there's basically two side characters. There's a maid who isn't really focused on a lot, and then Martin, who's – Seems to be like the lead guard yeah. for the asylum. And me and Bob decided he reminds us of John Cleese from uh, <laughs> Monty, Python. Monty Python. A little bit in appearance and like how he talks, yeah. but it's just the personality. He's very much the uh, straight man yeah, in a comedy skit. He's uh, just like all this crazy shit's happening and Martin just like, oh man. It's so good. At one point, he fires off, assumedly, a shotgun into the air (laughs) trying to kill a bat. Because that makes sense. I mean, Dracula's flying around a bat form, and Martin's the only one who's like, I'm just going to shoot him! But, uh... It's so fucking funny. There's a really good line there where Martin just... He turns to the maid who's with him, and he's like, Sometimes I think I'm the only sane one here. Because, you know, the owner of the asylum... Mina's fiance, Van Helsing, this distinguished doctor, all like, there's a vampire! Yeah. It's it's really, really entertaining and funny. It's like a good comedic breakup that doesn't feel forced. Yeah. In a movie that's relatively serious. Same thing with Renfield again. It's yeah. very tonally different than the rest of the movie. But it works. But it works. Back on the point of no music. We've talked about what it kind of does to the, the tone of the film. I... Love it so fucking much because it makes everything that Dracula does feel so intense and important because there's nothing like I'm just like holding my breath anticipating every single one of his actions because he's such a slow methodical character that having nothing to like I don't know I guess pad the time between everything that's happening makes it. I, I just love it. Like, it feels so paced and intense and wonderful in the best way possible. Like, I've never, because of the way that films are made nowadays, I've never experienced a movie like this where there's no music. And I don't want to say it's a preference, but 
I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I I think it works well with this film because, again, a lot of this film is supposed to be calm and quiet. I mean, Dracula just basically sneaks around the whole film. Yeah. He's not... He's physically intimidating, but yeah. not in a very aggressive way, more in a regal kind yeah. of way. And how he acts, and I think how the film's framed around him, because, well, it's never shown, it's implied that at night, when we see him, you basically can't fight him. Yeah, he'll destroy So your there's ass. No, no real action in this film. Mm-hmm. And so I think the lack of music works very well with this script. It, it feels like the script was designed around that however i don't think the whole no music thing would work in most circumstances it's a it's not something you expect nowadays so i think most audiences are kind of not going to be okay with it i mean that's fair but also you know music's a it's a tool Mm -hmm. it helps with dramatic tension and stuff and so i've never seen the version with music and i'd be really interested to see it because I think some of the sequences where, yeah, it works really well with Dracula, like, sneaking around with no sound. But to hear, like, maybe a soft, like, gradual crescendo of, like, strings, mm-hmm. I think would be really, really cool. No. I mean, maybe you're right, and maybe I'm overthinking it. Like, yeah. I think the the takeaway here is it works in this film. Mm-hmm. But who knows, if done well, what would happen. Well, it also works really well in this film because, like... All of there's tons of like uh, sound effect stuff that happens. So when that happens, it's like a break from the silence. Yeah, and it's really like nice, especially because you'll have moments of silence, and then here's Renfield like cackling out of nowhere. Yeah, it's it's like really really good. I I will say though that I think the biggest downside of the lack of music is how silent this film is. I think can make it feel much slower than it actually is. See, I kind of like that and i mean you and i don't have a problem with slow films i enjoy that but i think this film can have an issue with grabbing certain people's attention and -hmm. if you're not a fan of slow films if you have a problem like with paying attention to films that don't just grab your attention i think this movie can be a little difficult because of that interesting i mean because what it's like an hour 15 yeah but it feels like a normal length film because of the way it's paced yeah and that's Again, I think partially due to the sound. Yeah. But again, if that's a problem you have, it's a problem you're going to have. Because again, there's scenes where no one's talking, there's no sound. And you're just watching. Yeah. With that being said, we've gotten off on a big tangent. Is there any other differences between the play and the movie you want to underline? One more. Okay. Last one. And this is something I didn't know if to expect or not. But in the stage adaptation that we've seen, because I know there are tons of people that do the show, tons of different versions of this script. Yeah, I'm sure the versions of Dracula we've seen as plays aren't the 1924 version that this is based on. Probably not. So if you're like, I've seen Dracula, it's way different. This is just the one that's popular right here that we've seen. So that's kind of what I'm basing my opinion on. They do this really cool thing to create action in the stage show where Dracula takes on like a, a monstrous form that's like half man. Ha- like when he's a vampire, he's like mega, like monstrous and like powerful and like fucks people up. They don't do this in this movie. I'm he's glad more physically intimidating in the play than he is. Yeah, like he like turn. He almost kind of looks like werewolfy, like monstrous and like grotesque. Which I think interesting note because this is vampires from a time period where vampires were a lot more like classic mythology vampires. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're closer to what we think of as werewolves. Yeah, because if you don't know, vampires were originally like 
closer to ghosts than like living corpses mm-hmm. and so they could turn into basically everything from mist to bats to, to wolves. wolves yeah uh, and so there's a lot of mixed up mythology like in this movie mm-hmm. they don't like wolfsbane yeah but they don't do that in the movie which i don't mind because it doesn't need the action yeah. it's fine it's also probably it. a logistical Issue. Yeah, I mean that's a lot of prosthetic makeup and like work, especially for nineteen what thirty thirty one. Yeah, so understandable. I think that's the the last thing. Okay, uh, then I think maybe there's a couple more things I want to touch on. First of all, the set design in this movie, oh, really good. It's so cool. They have a couple, uh, very cool inside spaces. There's mm-hmm. not really any outside scenes. Yeah, there's one or two, but they're very much on a lot like a fake. Um, City lot, yeah, or whatever, those are fine. But there's some really interesting custom interior shots of big areas like castles yeah. and stuff like that. They're really cool. They're so cool. There's also one distinctive backdrop sequence where they painted the backdrop. Mm, that is like also Frankenstein. really That's good. Also really cool. So I just I just wanted to mention that really quick. No, I just I love how grand and epic all the set stuff is in this film. Like everything just feels so distinguished. And I, I really, really love it. Aside from that, though, I only have one more thing I want to mention, and I kind of want to finish with it. So do you have anything else? No, I think I'm good. Okay. I think I've covered everything. Then I think our finishing point here is going to be with the ending of this movie. Okay. Now, I'm comfortable with talking about the ending of this film. A, because it's it's Dracula. I think at this point, most people know kind of roughly what the story of Dracula is. I mean, it's almost 100 years old. And it's... A big part of popular culture. You that know, too. Dracula basically popularized a vampire yeah. as a concept. Obviously, it existed before that, but this really kind of inspired most of the other vampire works. Mm-hmm. Specifically, this movie. Because, I mean, the book was big and the play was big, but, again, culturally, I don't think they'd be as big without this movie as they are today. But the ending of this movie is not my favorite. Uh, if you don't know, Dracula dies. And Mina's freed from her thrall, and they live happily ever after. Whatever. I think story-wise, the ending's not bad. Mm -hmm. But I think the way they do this ending in this film is kind of not my favorite. I don't know if you had the same problem, but the ending of this film feels very abrupt. No, I I agree with you. We talked about it. Basically, Dracula grabs Mina and brings her back to the Abbey. And he kills Renfield. Rip Renfield. He didn't deserve that. Especially because he only died because John... Is that his name? Yeah. Sold him out. John's a fucker. Because John's dumb. John sees Dracula carrying Mina through this window and starts screaming her name and lets Dracula know someone's coming for him. Yeah. Side point. But uh, from the time that, like, we're in the Abbey, you know, uh, with Dracula, the death of Renfield takes, what, Two, three minutes? Yeah. And then Dracula escapes into the basement where his coffin is. And that's kind of the highest energy scene in this movie. Mm -hmm. Because you assume it's going to be this big confrontation between Dracula and Van Helsing. They're going to have to save Mina. And yet, this back end of the movie, this, like, climax down in the basement, I don't know, a minute? Yeah. It feels shorter than than the Renfield segment. Two and a half minutes or something. Yeah, but it feels shorter than the Renfield segment. Maybe. A little bit. But basically, they go down there. Dracula's in his coffin. They just stake him through the heart, and that's it. Yep. And in, the movie. in fact, the end of the movie is just like 
Van Helsing and Mina and John are just standing together and they're like, oh, Mina's safe. And Van Helsing is like, I'll stay in the basement. You guys leave. Mm-hmm. No explanation. And we just see him walking up the stairs and that's it. Yeah, then you get like the end title card. And it's just, it feels very, not only short, but like, I don't know, what's the word? Constricted? Compacted? Truncated? Truncated. There we go. Yeah, the whole ending feels very truncated like it should have been longer that there should have been more yeah no i mean i agree with you that's like my only issue with this film for real and honestly it's not even that big of a deal no it's not like the ending it isn't bad yeah it's just like oh it's over that's it Mm -hmm. no i felt the exact same way it feels kind of weird i'm not sure if that inclusion at the end of the little like skit would have helped Ah, uh, maybe. I think it would have put a breath between them walking up the stairs and then the end credits. Mm-hmm. But it just really feels like they were implying something more was going to happen with, like, Van Helsing or something. Yeah, no, I mean, doesn't. they kind of left it open. And Also, I- Dracula just dies, like, off screen. Yeah. And it's it's kind of whatever. It's whatever. There's no, like, build up to it. Yeah, but I don't know if, like, showing Van Helsing driving the stake through his heart would work. Yeah, but I kind of just want more of the Dracula wakes up at the last minute and it's like, ooh, maybe that could work. Or just kind of grabs it or something. I don't know. I just, my point is, I just don't want any sort of extreme violence. No, I don't either. work with this movie at all. But it feels like there should have been more of a difficulty, I guess. Yeah. It just felt too easy. That's totally fair. But yeah, I I just wanted to mention that because it's not a big deal, but it's something. Mm Mm-hmm. That being said, that's all I have. Yeah, I don't think I have anything else. So let's go to recommendations. Yeah. If you're a fan of Dracula or vampires in general, this is the film. Yeah. I mean, it's not my favorite version of Dracula. Fair. Christopher Lee. Fair enough. I mean, I think Bella Lugosi does a great job. But Bella Lugosi does a great job. You can tell he's a stage actor. Yeah. Apparently, he was a little bit weird on set. Because he would stay in character. <laughs> That's hilarious. And he was very distinctly a stage actor. I believe he's from the stage versions of Dracula. Like, that's how he got hired. Oh, really? That's so actually dope. He didn't necessarily fit in a lot. But he, he does a good job. He also puts up with a lot. Like, the classic scary shot of Dracula where he's hypnotizing people. They had to shine a light into his eyes. Oh, my God. Must have sucked. But, yeah, if you're a fan of Dracula or vampires in general... Check this out. It's like the original film. I like it. I think it's super fun. If you're a fan of Billy Lugosi, I don't know if he's other stuff he's done, but I don't he know does a really good head. job in this. Yeah, I mean, like a really, really good this job. This is his most famous role. Super cool. Obviously, it's Dracula. Yeah. I mean, every everything we think about how Dracula talks. I mean, you heard me in my description. I mean, that's Literally. that's Bella Lugosi. I don't know if I have anything else for real. Okay. Yeah, I guess... I lie. I have one more, maybe. If you're interested in the idea of a film with no music, not no... There is intro music. That's it. But, like, there's no music throughout the film. Super interesting watch for that. Just, like, as a stylistic thing. Not even a stylistic thing. It was a budget thing at the time. But (laughs) stylistically, I fucking love it. So that's super cool if that interests you at all. Okay. Well, for me, straight off the bat, if you're looking at Universal Monster movies, especially the big old classics... This is one of the big ones. I mean, most people go, oh, you know, Dracula. Mm-hmm. Uh, aside from that, though, if you're looking for a Dracula film, a vampire film, 
Uh, this one's a classic and I think is worth a watch because it establishes a lot of basis for the concept in mm-hmm. film culture. But outside of that, I think what's really interesting about this film, and it's definitely worth a watch, as with all old movies, it shows culture that doesn't exist anymore and ideas that really aren't popular anymore. Hmm. And I think this movie is really cool from like a vampire mythology perspective because there's not modern vampires in this movie, how we think of them. Like half the movie, they're talking about wolves and not bats. Yeah. For like, oh, that's a vampire. And that's a really weird thing. And I think if you're interested in that, uh, this movie's really cool. Yeah. That being said, uh, do you want to give it a rating? Yeah, I'm I'm stuck. I like this movie, like I said, more than Frankenstein. What do we give Frankenstein? Like a five? We give it a five. Yeah. I think I'm going to give this a five, too. Not only because, A, I like it more, but B, it kind of, it did inspire an entire genre of films like there are so many movies about vampires nowadays and there's tons of stuff that they pull with direct inspiration from this movie well there's a bunch of dracula films nowadays. there's also a bunch of dracula films Hell, and we got renfield yeah it's like, own separate film about just that guy who with is, um our lord and savior in it yeah which we need to watch that at yeah. some point i heard it's not great but i mean i'll still watch it but just like because of how culturally culturally relevant this film is it deserves a five but not only that, it's actually really good on top of that. There's tons of really good acting from Renfield's actor and Bela Lugosi. And basically, the whole cast is incredible. There's some really intense, awesome scenes with because of the sound and the way they portray stuff. The sets are really cool. We didn't really cover it, but there's some really... Okay, by modern standards, it's not incredible, but it's still really good. Like, practical stuff with the bats. <laughs> I mean, they're rubber bats. They're rubber bats, but it still looks good. Like, yeah. I like it, at least. There's also some cool, like, practical stuff that, like, with uh, vampire lore about, like, mirrors and stuff yep. like that. And some weird, like, <laughs> cinematography stuff. Like, there's a still frame photo. Yeah. Which is just, like, early cinema stuff that... Always fun. It's charm in the way that, like, the Toxic Avenger has charm. It's, like, B-movie whatever. <laughs> Only you would get from Dracula to Toxic Avenger. Uh, you know, sometimes I take leaps and bounds. But this movie is, like, genuinely really good, and I really enjoyed myself. So I think it deserves a five. Okay. Yeah, I'm in a weird boat kind of with this one. Because I like Dracula. I think this is a really good movie. It also inspired a lot, you know? Yeah. It's it's one of the first Drac- or one of the first Dracula movies, if not the first. And it's definitely one of the first vampire movies. I mean, obviously, there's no Sferatu, but that's its own special <laughs> legal thing. <laughs> Legally stinks, you know, but uh, I don't know. In the grand scheme of things, it's not my favorite Universal monster film. I I think I personally like Dracula not as much as Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. I, I like Frankenstein a little bit more. I just like the themes in it a bit better. Fair. Uh, there's a lot more, I think, horror, too. No, that's fair. This is a much more intense film. Yeah. Less but- horror film. Irregardless, I think it's great, and I think I'd be remiss to not give it a five because of its cultural significance. So, you know, five. All right, well, let's go to the outtakes. I don't know what we have. We didn't mark anything. (laughs) I might have found something. I don't know. Maybe. All right, yeah, we'll see you guys in a minute.
Hello everybody, this is Future Bob coming at you to let you know that we forgot to announce something in this outro you're about to hear. We are actually releasing a Valentine's Day movie on the 14th, so look out for that. It'll come out on the 14th at midnight. We're doing a Valentine's Day movie. Of course, I don't know what the hell it is. Ben gets to pick those. But just so you know, when we say we don't have any announcements, this was an announcement that we forgot. So check it out. Valentine's Day movie on the 14th. Hi everybody, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the outtakes. Do we have any announcements, Ben? No. I didn't think so. Nope, because we aren't doing anything yet. Not yet. Assumedly, eventually we're going to do series this year, but... Uh, it's the first month of the we've year. We've been Calm so down. busy. Well, I was going to say, I don't know when we're going to fucking do that, because I'm too busy to do extra I was movies. about to say, we've been so busy. Ben's been so busy. Me. I've been big chilling, for real. <laughs> well, I was like, yeah, it's going great. Yeah, I'm not doing anything. So, yeah, everything else is business as usual, which means check us out wherever you get your podcast. Uh, Spotify. Apple Podcast, wherever. Yeah. Is that Apple Podcast or Apple Music? It's Apple Podcast. Okay, good. I can't <laughs> know it a lot. I'm so tired. Aside from that, we're also on YouTube, which, you know, it's a video platform. Not great for just audio-only content, but it's kind of nice because it's really how we see how engagement's doing, just because of how easy that is. It's much easier than logging into analytics yeah the youtube analytics are so much better than the one spotify gives you they're ass yeah so uh really helps us out when you give us like likes on videos views subscriptions stuff like that it really shows us uh what our engagement is uh youtube's also nice because it has a couple tools you guys can use there's a search button which is really nice for searching like movie names because it searches only our episodes so it's an easy way to tell like hey how we have we covered this or, like, what episode is it? So I can go look it up somewhere else, like Spotify, if I want to listen there. Uh, YouTube also has a comment section, which is one of the two places you can communicate with us at. Uh, you can do that in the comment section of a specific video, or you can go over to Twitter. You know, take your little boat over there uh, and talk to Bob at Beware the Board. <laughs> Give him uh, whatever orders he needs. Oh, okay. Really, that was a twofold one. You got me twice. Master. Oh God, don't don't call me that. I don't like that, Ben. <laughs> what do you need of me, Master? I need you to get out. Is what I need. <sighs> like Ben said, check us out on Twitter at Beware the Board. It's where we post updates about the show, information about the show. Basically, if there's anything you don't know about the show, it goes on our Twitter. On Mondays, I post a spoiler post for that Friday's episode, which is a hidden movie cover that you can reveal, so you can watch the movie before we do. So whatever you listen to the episodes, you don't get any spoilers, and we're being vague about stuff, you kind of know what we're talking about. Then, on Fridays, or whatever day episode goes live, we always post a link to the episode with maybe a meme of something that was really funny. So if you ever missed an upload, or want to know something went up, there's always a link on our Twitter. Last thing, we do short-form content on TikTok. What? Yeah. We I do? I made one in a hot minute. I haven't gotten around to it for real. Um, so I was like, I'm big chiller, but I don't have time for that. Yeah, well... It takes longer than you think, Ben. So if you like short form content and like the show, check us out at Beware the Board on TikTok and on YouTube Shorts. Benjamin, I think that's it. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next time. Yeah. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>